For someone whose entire career has been focused on joy, why a podcast on pain? Because these stories need to be told. A good phoenix rising out of the ashes story reminds us all that not only can we survive, we can thrive. And when we emerge, we're different. That's the alchemy of pain. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Alchemy of Pain podcast. This is where we focus on people who've gone through some really tough stuff, but they didn't stay there. They went through. We're going to talk about the valley part and also how they got through the valley to new light in their lives. And I love the fact that I'm not just interviewing people who are well-known names or who you could Google and see they're all over YouTube or social media. They're real people, real people just like you and me that we can connect with and find similarities in our stories. When I met my guest today, I had no idea the bond that we were soon to share. He is the father of my former next door neighbors. And I remember learning that his wife had passed away and I felt so badly for him. I had just lost my mom. So there was a bit of a bond there, but then shortly after my partner died suddenly. And with all the well-meaning people, and I honor them all for their kindnesses, it meant something to have a friend who had had a similar loss, though different, a similar loss. And so it's my honor to introduce you to Walter Hayes, my friend who is an artist. He is an avid reader. He's a retiree. He's involved with so many different things. And his tunnel experience helped me through my own. So welcome, Walter. Thanks, Brenda. It's good to see you again. And no, you're now, you on, the, we're on two different coasts now. We used Yeah, to you're a West Coaster and I'm an East Coaster. I know, I know. And I remember, you know, obviously you didn't live in Florida where I lived, but you would often visit your daughter and son-in-law and of course the little grand boy. How wonderful. But I remember that period of time and learning of your loss. But, you know, before we go there, you're a man of many interests. Paint a picture of what your life is like right now. <laughs> well, before we uh, we got on this Zoom call, uh, I had to put uh, my tile cutter away because I'm renovating a bathroom. Uh, this is the, I think this is the, uh, the 10th house that I've renovated. This house that I live in now is, that we live in is uh, 123 years old. And it's, I've done a lot of renovations on it. We have a studio over there, which we're, Converting into a real studio uh, as well as a gallery, and we're hoping to open up a gallery here soon. So we can stop by and, and get uh, pastel landscapes, which is what I do. And uh, living on the water, there's uh, no shortage of subjects to draw and, and to get involved in. So I really love that. Uh, and, uh, you know, art is um, something that's a big part of my life in, in fixing and building. Our neighbors here, we have a ton of wonderful neighbors. Um, and, and they're just great and they've, they've absorbed us immediately and then we've got new neighbors that have keep coming in so 
you know, this big group and, and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's a great time. So here you are saying uh, it's a great time in your life. Yeah. And could you have yeah. imagined three years ago? Uh, never, never know? imagined three years ago I'd be here. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I put a lot of work into uh, to get where I am right now. And I love it. Um, you know, I'm turned 70 years old this year. I feel young for 70. Uh, there's a lot of years left. And... Um, my uh, late wife died uh, three years ago, over three years ago. And I knew that uh, I just couldn't live in the past. I had to move forward. And, and I think that's a, a critical point that you may hear from me several times today. Don't live in the past. You know, you, you learn from the past. Um, the past is over. What's done is done. You can't change it. You can think about it, but you don't ever let it run your life. Because you can't change it. And you can't change the future either. So so you you know you, you live for today and live for now and what you can do. And, uh, that's right. And you know, I always say that the point of these interviews isn't to just focus on those tough times, but to paint a picture so that people can see themselves. So Though your wife made her transition three years ago, she had been ill for quite some time, hadn't she? Yeah, so let me tell you the story that I'm going to tell you, and then I'll tell you the story, and then I'll tell you some of the highlights, okay? <laughs> How much time do we have, by the way? As much time as you want to give me. Okay, fine. So uh, my wife of uh, 40, 45 years passed away uh, ovarian cancer. It took about a year and a half uh, from diagnosis to when she passed. And during, during that time, uh, I grieved a lot. And after she died, I said I had to do something new with my life. I was not going to just sit around. And uh, uh, I, I went online and found, uh, found a mate. And uh, um, I have a girlfriend that I really love and turned into my fiance. And we're actually going to be married uh, in four weeks. Uh, we'll be married here at home. Uh, it's been a big transformation in my life. Uh, it's very been positive transformation and uh, a lot of really cool things that are happening. Um, so that's kind of the story that I'll tell you. Well, that is definitely the Reader's Digest version. And you got to the good part really quick. And I couldn't be happier because it makes one hopeful that if you set an intention and you do the work, like you said, not only did you find a new life, you found new love and you're rebuilding something beautiful with, and we can name drop Priscilla because she is absolutely lovely in every way. Yeah, she's sweetheart. When you found out about your wife's diagnosis, what were the feelings and and how did you share them together as a couple? Well, we were in the office with the doctor together and he said, I think you've got ovarian cancer. And I remember very distinctly that... Uh, am my late wife she just hung her head and she went like this she said it's the worst kind um being an rn she knew and it's the worst kind because it it sneaks up on you undetected when she was diagnosed she was at stage four cancer and so she was well along and um you know it's it's like okay the ca word now what do you do right so you know your night your life is never going to be the same and it's going to change. And uh, you know, very quickly, uh, she was in chemotherapy and, uh, um, and 
then later that summer, she had surgery. Um, after surgery, I called the surgeon and I said, you know, emotionally and intellectually, I need to know what's coming. You've been through it many times. Tell me what to expect here. And, and he did. Uh, it was a good conversation. And it, basically what he did is he laid out three scenarios. The, you know, the, the bad scenario, the better scenario, and, and the really good scenario. And the bad scenario was like one to three years of life. It's the okay was maybe five years. And then the best one was you get better and you just keep on going. Um, she very quickly followed the worst scenario. And so uh, I knew quickly that she was not going to live through this. The question you didn't know was, um, how long will she be ill and when will she pass? So knowing that and coming to that uh, in, in my mind, that was a huge loss, both of the life that we had at that time. And looking forward, you know, what's going to happen then? And so all I saw was change and loss of what we had. We had just moved into this neat house in the water. So um, I started grieving at the point. You know, it was a sucker punch to a dream. And also, you know, I, I want to honor the fact that it was her dream as well. And were there any warning signs? I mean, stage four, had she been having some symptoms? Uh, you know, looking back and, and, and reading now about ovarian cancer and the symptoms, she had all of those things, but they're mild. And they, they kind of pop up here and there. The big one for her was uh, her back hurt a lot. Uh, and she had a large tumor when it was diagnosed. But... Um, yeah, so it was tough on her and being a nurse, she knew what was coming. She, you know, and she had actually had been uh, a cancer nurse, so she could get a lot of cancer patients. It was it was tough. Um and um she had uh, chemotherapy, then she had pretty extensive surgery. Uh there were complications upon complications after that, and then she had uh, chemotherapy and more chemotherapy and more chemotherapy. And there were some early indications that the chemo was working and she was going, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to beat this. And she was, she was very optimistic about it. She's uh, she very uh, religious. Um, and as a result, she was convinced that she was going to make it through it. Uh, and never wanted to talk about death. Um, and in, in not talking about death, um, there was a there was a whole chapter in our lives that never mm, finished, if you will. And um, it was really difficult on me. When I finally got to talk about death, she woke up one morning. She said, "Oh yeah, death. You know, let's talk about death. For my funeral, I want this, and ask Father to do this, and da 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 da, and have them blah 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 blah, and be, right. So it's like all this list of things. But it it wasn't those." Uh, those life things that our relationship. That was that was huge. I didn't understand that whole thing. Uh, it it kind of gnawed at me for a long time because she wouldn't talk about that. And then, yeah, after she after she had passed, um, 
when you go through that really heavy grieving stage, you and I have talked about this. Uh, grief is is nothing but loss. It's all about loss. Okay, it could be loss of a dog. It could be loss of a job. It could be loss of a dream that's no longer there, or or a goal that you worked for for twenty years and finally got it, but now you don't have that goal there anymore, and you, you grieve, and you don't know why. It could be loss of a spouse. It could be a sudden loss. It could be a, a slow, agonizing loss. But it's all about loss at the bottom. And um, you know, after she she passed, uh, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> but you get these waves of grief that just they're tidal waves. They just wash over you. And um, I remember several times walking in the evening and and the wave would hit me and my son uh, I learned so much from him he's a little smarter than I am I'm very astute anyway he said uh, he said just just go with that um, so what I did was uh, I, I let the wave wash over me and and I just I just felt it and you know I didn't think about it I just felt all the emotions and I took time, dropped my knees, whatever, whatever was, you know, was felt right. And I just felt everything and just had a good sense of that. And, and when it was over, I felt a lot better. Right. And, um, I can't explain it other than, um, don't overthink it. You know, just let it, just let it flow. Um, and so I had that several times. And then one day I'm out for a walk and I'm going like that. I thought, I said, wait, she's gone. She's gone. She's dead. She's not coming back. It's like weak here. She's not coming back, right? My life as it was is, is not ever going to be the same. So what are you going to do, Hayes? You're going to be moping around and, you know, wishing for the old times. Are you going to do something uh, and get your life back on track? And to me, I want to get my life back on track. As I went through that whole grieving process while she was ill, um, and I, I cried a lot. Uh, uh, <laughs> Ian, who's again wiser than me in his many uh, senses, many ways, he said, "Tears are nothing but your soul cleansing itself." So don't worry about it. So uh, I let him flow. You know, I want to come, let it go, right? And um, and I got over the grieving fairly fairly quickly. Uh, but it's good. But but when I realized that yeah, life's never going to be the same, I said I got to do something. And one of the things I had thought about was I'd like to fall in love again. And I told my sister uh, while my wife was still alive, so when this is over, I want to feel love. Um, and I described it. I said, "You remember when we were teenagers?" You know, do you remember that sense or when you were in college and you had that new girlfriend? And I was like, oh, this is just a wonderful feeling. Uh, and when we were first married, going through that, you, you remember all this. It was great. It was great times. And I just wanted to go through that. Again. And so um, I worked on that. When you say you worked on that, what, what do you mean? Because I think everybody's taking notes now because everybody wants to feel that feeling. If they are... Uh, not with someone. I know I sure do. Well, if you're going to fall in love with 
again, you've got to find someone. Where are you going to do that in the middle of COVID? I knew I was going to have to go outside some way. So I went online. And uh, we had done um, uh, marriage preparation for a bunch of couples uh, when they were getting married. And some came through that had, had met on eHarmony. So I thought, okay, I'll get an eHarmony account and log in and see what, what might be there. And I was kind of disappointed. Sitting out on the front porch one day and my neighbor, Mitt, next door, uh, who's uh, divorced, uh, said, well, no, well, 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 she's, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Don't go to eHarmony. You go to match.com in Washington. That's where all of the, that's where all of the women are. Said, oh, okay. So he said, I'm coming over tomorrow night. I'm going to show you how to do that. And he brings his laptop. He sits down. He said, look, I, I, you go do this, this, that, that, that. Um, and um, I found a woman on Match.com in five weeks that I really liked. Uh, her name was Priscilla Widden Dunn, and she had spent five years on Match.com trying to find the man that she liked. <laughs> so five years, five weeks, I lucked out. She keeps telling me that I really lucked out. But, she's right. uh, but we met and, you know, did the typical um, texting and we had a date and we went out uh, for lunch and um, she said all the right things and did all the right things and uh, it was great I, I said I loved it you know and uh, I got a, a really strong vibe from her so yeah well I would say so because you're going to get married but yeah. we're recording this before the wedding but probably by the time it runs you will be Mr. and Mrs. So, okay, there are people that truly are rooting for your happiness after a loss, but also quite ready to judge if you get a little too happy too quickly. I remember going on my first date after Mark transitioned and the date said to me, you have no business dating. It's too soon. And I remember thinking, who are you to tell me what's appropriate for me? So can you speak to this whole judgment thing? Did you face any pushback from well-meaning friends and family? Yeah, let's talk about that because that, that's that's really important part of this. Um, you live your own life. I live my own life. People will judge you and they will judge you based upon their assumptions and their opinions. Okay? And what they do, right, and I'm going to digress. And you make sure I come back to this point. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's an, in, important to know that uh, through this whole process, um, I wanted to explore my, let's call it spirituality, if you will. So I started reading, and one of the books I picked up was uh, one that you had mentioned when you did a eulogy for Mark um, called The Four Agreements. And, and I loved it. I really liked it a lot. And it, and it, it came on strong. And I enjoyed it. So I read a couple other of his books. And then um, my daughter, who, who was next to you, said, here's another book, Dad. Why don't you check this one out? And it's called um, Living Untendered, the, Un the Untendered series by Michael Singer. And he, he's got a couple of books. They're really very strong, very good. Some people would say, consciousness level raising kind of the thing um it helped me a lot 
And I remember reading uh, Singers and thinking, why don't they teach this in high school? But you don't, you don't hear what he, he talks about. And then there's another book, the follow-on is called The Power of Now that takes, takes an even stronger look. And this I have discovered a lot of people really love it and they they go back to it year after year after year and read seconds. That's full vision. The the essence really is that um, of these books. Um, it's all about living in in the now, in the present, you know. And we all we hear a lot about being in the present. You gotta be present. Obviously. What does that mean? And and I think uh, Eckhart Tolle really talks about it in the power of now the best. But um, living untethered uh, set it up stage the formula. And, and that is that you know we think about the past, we're a victim of our past, we're a victim of our future. And and we think that we are all of those things that are going on in our mind. We have these thoughts that are going in our head all the time, right? And so that's who we are. That's what you guess, but that's not who you are. And this is the awakening that I got out of all this. Who I am is the being that's the watcher. I'm watching all of that stuff go on in my brain where I rehash the past and I stew about the future. And I think about all these things and I go, oh God, it was so awful. Why did I let that happen? Oh God, you know, and, and you just you go into this agony and you you wallow in the past. All right. So the essence of this is you can't change the past and you can't change the future. You, me, I'm a little teeny speck in this grand universe that we're getting a great look at now through these new telescopic photos, right? This is a speck. I can't change the universe. The future is going to be what it's going to be. I have no effect on that. What I have, only the effect that I have is what's happening right now. Now, between you and me, I can't change the past. So why stew about it? Why wallow in that over and over? It's like wasted energy. Totally wasted energy. So, and so when you could, when you think about that and you think about the fact that you, your brain, okay, spends a lot of time churning and you think that's you, but you're, that's not you. You're the one that's kind of sitting back and watching all that stuff go on in your brain and seeing all that happen. And the, the way you free yourself from that is you, is you become the watcher. You just become aware that you are doing this, that you are thinking about it. Doing about the future. You just become aware, and what that does is it centers you and brings you to the present where you can actually do something. And that's the whole essence of these books, and it's great, and I love it, and I wish that they would teach this. Well, these are great recommendations, good recommended reading for anyone that's facing any kind of a challenge in their lives. But you told me to take you back on the rabbit trail, which was pushback about you deciding to be happy and in some people's estimation a little too soon perhaps right so you know i'm going through all this kind of stuff and thinking about the past and say i, I can't wallow in the past and so i'm excited to meet priscilla we're going to go to maine we go up to maine for uh for a week right and i take my pastels and every day we go out and i draw and we take a bottle of wine we have a great time. super but in the process i was going to stop it 
and introduce her to a family member. And um, I got a call the next day, I actually got an email, said, it's too soon. You can't do that. We don't want to meet you her. And it stopped me because, you know, here I'm excited to get my life back on track. And I, I wanted some affirmation from family that, yeah, this is good, right? And instead I got this total pushback and I didn't understand it. It took me months to understand that what had really happened was that they were not ready. Wasn't me. And so they, they were not ready and therefore- their, They projected their unreadiness onto you. Yes, right. Which made them feel better, right? As soon as I understood that, it was like, okay, I really don't care because that's their problem. That's not my problem, right? I live today to, to now, right? They're living in the past. And, and this whole thing about, you know, death and dying and what you can do and what you can't do, these are all, all the wives' tales. And hardly any of it's rooted in fact. You know, the only thing I think is really good and solid is don't make a life change in your first year. It's just, there's just too much going on. And that is good advice. But too soon? No, forget that. Live your life. Do what you're going to do. If it feels right, do it. Going out with Priscilla felt right. It felt right for her. It felt right for me. And we just kept going. You know, she brought me a lot of joy and I just kept going with that. So why not? And we I, have I, I love that story. And I just want to interject too that when I met Mark, it was not long after my marriage had ended. And there were many people that even questioned my integrity in the whole thing. Boy, am I glad I seized the moment. And we had, yeah. even though they were abbreviated, we had four great years because I followed my heart, not what you can't live by fearing what other people think of you. Right, you get. You have to live your own life. You set, you set your own goals, and you live your own life. And you work towards those goals. And from time to time, you look back and you say, "Did I meet that goal?" Well, yeah, maybe you did, and maybe you didn't. But in in working towards it, you accomplished a whole lot of other things. And you say, "You know what? I didn't. I didn't make that goal because I changed it, and that's perfect." I changed it. And then I moved ahead from that. Right. And so you just keep keep moving. You so, can't stand still. This life all it changes constantly. It's rampant. You just keep you just go with the flow. Well, you're a great example of someone that has built a brand new life. But I I, I hope you don't mind. I want to go back to one thing that you said, which I think is an interesting point of conversation. You and your former wife never talked about death my mother would not talk about death with me i feel like having those conversations is such an important gift that you give the people that are left behind yeah so i have a story yeah go ahead okay um i have a good friend uh, Lucille, who lives in Baltimore, and I help her with household chores and renovations and whatever all the time. 
but we're more friends than we are, you know. And we always get in these fairly deep conversations. One day she calls me and said, I, I, um, my friend is moving. She's got a desk and she's going to give it to me. And I want to, we have to take it apart and take it over to my son's house. Can you help me do it? Yeah, sure. So I meet her and her friend is Ann Tyler, the author. Uh, you know, she's got a wide variety of books, very popular. And so we go in and um, Anne makes me a cup of coffee and we're standing around in the kitchen. We're just chatting and Lucille, my friend says, you know, uh, Anne's husband passed away from cancer as well. And he would never talk about that. And I, and I looked at Anne, she, you know, she started to tell her story. Very same story. Uh, just wouldn't address death and leaving the world and you know, the end of the relationship or anything like that. And um, it was very good for me because she expressed what I was feeling. And it, and it was great dismay, really, you know, that, that your mate of 45 years wouldn't talk about the relationship over those years and, and wouldn't say how much she loves me and you'll be fine when I'm gone and, you know, take care of the kids or well, I, whatever, you know. And I, I did, just, just felt it was missing. And the next day, I'm home here, and Priscilla and I are we're in here drinking coffee. And we went to see Ann Tyler, the author. Oh, my God. Again, if you were gone, I, I would have gone with you. And I said, <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? We 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 talked about uh, her husband and how, uh, how she really didn't get any kind of closure uh, in that. And I said, closure? That's what happened to me. I never got closure of the 45 years of relationship that we had. We, never, we, we were never able to talk about it and, and wrap it up and kind of reiterate it. Yeah. And when I understood that, that, that whole cloud kind of lifted. I just immediately accepted it. Okay. Now, I, now I understand it. I didn't get closure. On Acceptance was huge but I, I didn't know what to accept mm. and, and not until not until I, I got that word closure and and tied it into the 45 years of relationship and, and all those great times we had did it make sense to me and then I just accepted it and as soon as I did the cloud lifted and I thought so much so, and, and, I, and I have left all of that behind beautiful story i'm so glad i circled back to that and yeah. the conversations that we have with people do help to give them closure but when you can't get closure acceptance i i think that's a beautiful story and you know i could talk to you all day long my friend but i know you there are some things that you might have on your list because you are a preparer well, you are a yeah, reader I, you are a researcher you are a preparer so what have we not talked about that's important in this conversation well priscilla and i talked about this conversation a couple of times and and she'd say well make sure you remember you know you talk about this or this is an important part and you know there were there were a number of things that she brought up um, and I think that are important that I, I'm going to go down through them. One of them is when you build a new relationship like we did, it takes, it takes work. It takes work. Okay. It just doesn't happen. We would sit on the couch uh, early on in our relationship and she would read a chapter 
from um, Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. And we'd, you know, we'd be going through it and we'd stop and we'd say, what do you think about that? I mean, it was kind of a weird sort of thing. It's different. And then we talk about it and we go deep quickly, right? Those topics took us deep. And then I'd read the next chapter and we'd do the same thing. So we went through a couple of his books and then we went through um, some of the untethered books, uh, portions of untethered in the same way. And it was really good because it forced us to, to talk about uh, our, our personal feelings and how we feel about things. And, um, you know, you, you got to go deep. Um, down in your heart, how you really feel. And there's a way to do that that, um, that I also discovered through this whole process. And that is you have to make yourself vulnerable. Okay? So vulner vulnerability is an important aspect. And what do I mean? Is that you need to share parts of yourself that you're not so sure you want to share with anybody. Because maybe you're a little queasy about it. You, you, you know, it's, it's a little too personal, right? But if you share that, you make yourself vulnerable. And that other, the listener, pick, will pick up on that vulnerability. And oftentimes, will come back to you with an equally vulnerable story of your own. Um, and it happened here on the front porch one time. And I was telling a, a friend of ours in the community that uh, I had this vision the night before the man died and I was telling this, this whole scenario. And it was, you know, a little risky to share that. And then after a little bit, he shared that he was gay, that he had only told seven people in his entire life that he was gay. And so he had he he shared this vulnerability back to me. Uh, of course, I, I knew that he was. <laughs> it was pretty obvious. But the fact that he actually came out and shared that was important uh, for him and, and for me as well. So the point here is that if you you make yourself vulnerable, you share parts of yourself, and you're not so sure you really want to. It will come back to you many times, many fold, and you will learn from it your personal relationship will strengthen and your relationship with that individual. I like the fact that even though you had a 45 plus year marriage over your shoulder, you approached this new relationship with a beginner's mindset with all right this is this is a chance this is a new chance for me to do this a new way perhaps the deep conversations that you and priscilla have are a foundation on which you can ride the rest of your lives together having that being a foundational principle yeah it, you won't and be it afraid is. to have those deep conversations and the result is that we can talk about anything freely and openly okay and i will share that i did not have that in my previous marriage. there were just certain topics that were not going to be discussed but there's no boundary 
and and uh, it's very liberating. That's great. I, I, I'm loving it. So we talked about finding closure and vulnerability. Um, I, I think there's one other point we might make about grieving. Um, grieving is an is an individual. Um, what worked for me wouldn't have worked for you. What worked for you may not work for anybody else. You had a certain relationship with the loss or the person or the dog or the car or whatever it was. No one else shared. You are your own set of beliefs and understandings. And so the way you approach grieving is um, uniquely yours. Mm. Uh, I didn't know really anything about grieving. So I went, uh, I decided I'm going to read. I'm going to find out what it's about. And I, I went to the New York Times uh, readers list and, and all of the authors that review all these books. And I said, what's the best book on grieving to the New York Times authors? And they came up with a couple. I picked up one of them and it was, it was wonderful. Uh, I read it very quickly. Uh, I got absorbed in it. I learned a lot. And some of it was just, it just didn't apply because the topic. Uh, that helped a lot. And, and reading helped me a lot, as you see, you know, the power of now, the untethered, all those things. And, uh, and I had, you know, when you go through a situation, you got time. But you take time to, to, to restart, to renew, to give yourself new tools. And uh, that's what reading does. I remember, you know, when I had gone through my loss, first of all, the first package I received in the mail was a book from you, which meant so much yeah. to me because that's your love language. This is how you show you care. You know, these words meant something to me. And so, and I remember I gave you a book and you're like, eh, it didn't really work for me, which right. is, speaks to your point about how grief is individual what might comfort one other person may not do it but the point is that you try you may not hit the mark people grasp for the right words and sentiments and actions but the fact that you're even trying means the world to the recipient absolutely so with that i want you to speak to anybody watching who is perhaps caretaking for a beloved spouse who is readying to make their transition. And in a way you made your own as well in this life. What words of advice would you give that person as they are grieving the loss even before the loss? Well, it's grueling. It's very hard. It's, it's physically and, and mentally exhausting. And you must take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself as the primary caregiver, you cannot give the proper care to the individual who needs it. So you have to take time out. Now you got you have to take a break. Okay? You got to find a way to do that. Um, I think as you're going through it, you know, you, you focus on, on the person you're giving care to, but you also need to think a little bit about yourself and what you want and what you want to do. And it, it may not come clear for a while, and that's okay. 
Um, it, but it will come correct. And then when it when it does, uh, take the necessary steps that we're gonna add. Um, there are several people in my life that I, I could name but won't that uh, looked at me and, and saw me out dating and, and having a great time and said, my God, I gotta do that, right? Somebody here in the neighborhoods, I, I need to do that. Moss is, is partner for years and years. Went out and got a girlfriend. They're having a blast. Others have, have, we're in this state of denial of moving their life forward and we're just wallowing in the grief. And you could see it going to their homes and it's dark and dingy and oh my God, it's like, uh, you know, open the blinds, you could bring some new light. And uh, after they saw me with Priscilla, we got to dinner and had a great time. It's like, whoa. And then he calls and says, hey, okay so it's it's okay to move ahead and do it right i love that you know my my mom was widowed at age 37 my dad died of a heart attack he was 15 years older than her but when he died so did she in a lot of ways she never ever dated never developed other hobbies and believe me I, I mean no disrespect to my mom but how I had wished that she had decided to keep living and I learned something from that that I hoped that I would never have to apply but I ultimately did when Mark died I had to say to myself I remain breathing I am still here so clearly there must be something for me Right. Something for me to do, something for me to experience, something for me to be. And so for anyone listening or watching today, I say you are breathing. Your life. Yeah, I think I think um you can't get stuck in the past and live there. You gotta so I told you what I was gonna tell you, and I've told you, and I'm gonna tell you what I told you. Okay, you know, if you want a new relationship, you got one. Grieving's individual. People are going to tell you what to do. You do what is important. But my lesson was to feel it. Okay. And feel it and go through it. Just don't put it off. Just go through it. Feel it all. You can't dwell in the past, right? No wallowing. Um, decide what you want and move on. Read, read, learn, get new tools, new tricks, find out what's going on. Um, uh, closure to that relationship is important. Find that closure somehow so you're not left open and be able to accept what was there is important. And then as you move ahead, you can, uh, you, you can make yourself vulnerable and it does work. Well, proof. You are proof that it works. Walter Hayes, thank you for gifting me with your time today. I know that your story is going to make many other people think, maybe read, smile, and hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you All so right. much for your time. And thank you for tuning into this edition of the Alchemy of Pain podcast. I hope that you were inspired. And if you know someone who has made it through a dark place and come out the other side with a story to tell, I want to tell it. Send them my way. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thanks, Brenda. Good to see you again.